on this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock. Shep talked about top bidding signals, reporting for smart bidding campaigns, and Google Ads. We talked about why you might soon be able to snag that Twitter handle you've always wanted. Shep gave a very scientific breakdown of her least favorite insect. And Greg talked about a much more egregious issue than the amount of skin shown in Google's recent Christmas results. All on today's show. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news, a proud part of the Search Engine Journal podcast network. We record every week from the Cypress North Studios located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Tune in to our critically acclaimed Famous Friday News Show for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. If you want to follow along, just check out our show notes or head over to marketingoclock.com for all of the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. And I'm Christine Zernheld. AKA Shep. And it is officially Marketing O'Clock. Here on November 29th. 2019. Remember, you can catch our famous Friday news shows each and every Friday morning. We read all the news. So you don't have to. And today's show is brought to you by Search Engine Journal. They have released the biggest PPC trends of 2020, according to 39 experts. And you can download all those trends for free. And you don't even have to wait until 2020. I know it's here. Christmas came early. Mm Mm-hmm. You know what to give your loved one for New Year's Eve present? Do they do that? Is that a thing? Do you give a present? Do you get a present on New Year's Eve? Um, no. No. I don't even make it up to to see the ball drop. I'll get like a nap on New Year's Day. Oh, that's pretty nice. Well, no napping on New Year's Day because you've got about 150 pages to read where it talks about automation, AI, machine learning. Danny Goodwin covers PPC and the bigger marketing picture, audience targeting, everything you need, and much, much more. Check that out. SearchEngineJournal.com forward slash PPC dash trends dash 2020 forward slash. All right, Shep, what's in the news this week? First up in the news this week, Google is going to start reporting on top bidding signals in the bid strategy report to help us gain more insight into our smart bidding strategies. So this makes the most sense for me anyway, in the context of maximized conversions. So if you have max conversions set as your campaign bid strategy, the goal is to get you as many conversions as possible within your daily budget or two times your daily budget, (laughs) much to our chagrin. So if you're using max conversions, this would tell you what signals makes a user more likely to convert. And if these signals are present and listed in this report, Google would be more likely to show your ad to that user. And up to date till now, there was no information as to why. Mm-hmm. You had to basically trust the process that everything was on the level of Google's using their machine learning in order Just to do better for bl- you. blindly trusting them, right. basically. So the top signals, Google says, are as follows, but don't they're not limited to, they're saying. So they're reserving the right to add some more. Device type, location, day of week, time of day, and keywords. To start, this will only be available for campaigns using maximized conversions or target CPA. And Google said target ROAS and max conversion value bid signal reporting will be available soon. So be on the lookout for that. I don't have this in my account yet, but to find it, supposedly you can look at your campaign view and see all your campaigns listed in the grid. Hover over your bid strategy in the list. So whether it's target CPA or max conversions, you click on it, takes you to the bid strategy report. 
and these signals will be listed in your reporting. And, and so those variables will show whether it's helping or whether it's not a factor, right? Mm-hmm. Like, They'll be red or green. Red or green. Green means they're using it. Red, no factor. Cool. Yeah. I love it every time Google tries to explain what's actually working inside that black box of theirs. I think you mean black magic. Oh, no. I know what I mean. <laughs> and I know what my quote is. I meant black box. Okay. What else is going on this week? Next up is an article from Sear Interactive where they cover the attribution beta in Google Analytics. We covered this maybe three weeks ago where we saw it. We started testing it out. This is the first major article I've seen on on this topic, but it is a closed beta that many folks have in Google Analytics that's going to bring for free uh, cross-channel data-driven attribution to all accounts, at least while you have it. It's intended for folks that are tracking conversions and GA and are trying to see more than just what is traditionally shown in mainly last touch intera- or last interaction attribution. Mm-hmm. Historically, this was shown for Google Analytics 360, but not for everybody else. And there's three main features in this attribution beta. One is that there's a single project-based UI for analysis across multiple Google Analytics properties and conversion types. It's like its own actual dropdown that you see in Google Analytics once you set it up. And then secondly, that data-driven attribution is now available to those users. So you can hop in there and you can see Google will try to show basically different conversion paths, what they see coming in from attribution standpoint. And it, it almost makes it a lot cleaner of that kind of conversions tab that was there in, in Google Analytics before. It breaks it out. It lets you look at things. It has a lot more graphical representation with things. So if you're comparing different models, it'll break it out and you can see um, some coloration, like it's green if it's doing better. If you're looking at like last touch versus linear or something like that. Um, so it's, it's pretty nice that you can see all that stuff. Um, and that's the third point is it's it's got a new style of those reports. So conversion paths look a little bit different. Conversion lags lag does. Conversion path length is also in there. And then model comparison. I, the biggest thing to me was that model comparison mm-hmm. in there. The one caveat, if you hop in there and are looking for something, not going to find it. You have to wait 72 hours. So you have to set this thing up, wait 72 hours, talked about this before. Hopefully you took heed of my advice, set everything up. And when you go in there now, you're going to be able to see some of this information. We have some clients where it seemed really flawed and wasn't tracking things properly. I don't know what on earth was happening. I probably have to go reset that. I said it the day that I actually saw it. Um, And then some others works fine. It's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, I noticed it in some of our accounts that I don't remember even signing up for. So definitely check and see if you have it, even if you didn't sign up for the beta. I think that one was me. (laughs) I know what you're talking about, and I definitely signed up for that. What's next, Shep? So next up, Twitter is reaching out to the owners of inactive accounts saying if they don't sign in by December 11th, they will have their account removed. Huh? Yep. Is that you, Greg? No. I don't think so. You're on Twitter (laughs) a lot. This means a lot of usernames or Twitter handles are going to be up for grabs, which is kind of the exciting part about this. This will affect anyone who hasn't signed in for at least six months, and all of those accounts are going to be notified via email. Twitter isn't saying when the inactive Twitter handles will be up for grabs, and they're also saying that the account removal process will happen over many months. It's not just going to happen in a single day, and users won't actually have to tweet, just log in and follow Twitter's instructions 
if you get the email and it says your account's going to be deactivated, all you have to do is log in and do what they say. Also, they're saying that usernames under five characters can no longer be registered, which I thought was interesting because you have those Twitter guys who are at Jack and at Ev you showed me today. Right. Yeah, so that's way under. It said if you have one existing, you won't be able to, they're not going to get rid of it, but you can't sign up for one now. But it's like, you should follow your own rules, Jack. I know. And it's kind of prejudice against the Gregs with 1G of the world. Why is that? Because if you had two, you could have the handle. Oh, that is true. That's not fair. I didn't think about that. And that's I how feel next like, level you are with your G's. Yeah. But that's how you know if you've made it. If you have like a Twitter handle with just your name and now like Hope won't be able to do it. I'm blessed to have a very long name for the first time. Unlike the SATs. And you think you're going to get at Christine or at shop. <laughs> I thought your name was at shop. No, okay. be, I couldn't do that. that it's only four. Yeah. Okay. So the other big issue with this that people are talking about is they're not saying how this applies to people that have passed away. Oh, there's currently no way to memorialize an account. So Twitter responded saying they're going to work on it. But right now, I don't know what you're supposed to do, like log in for your loved one yeah. if you want to save their tweets. I mean, that's a bad look if somebody's all of a sudden takes, you know, an iconic yeah. account or somebody that was very notable mm -hmm. and, you know, has passed and just takes over it and starts deleting tweets mm -hmm. and going bananas on there. Like, yeah. So their PR teams will have to be on the lookout for however we're going to, what would it, I guess it would be archiving the accounts. I don't know. Yeah, you can claim accounts from deceased. You need to have a death certificate, a few other things like that on Facebook. <laughs> you do. And then you can make so it a memorial month. I know. But You're already dealing with like life insurance and like all of your property. It is. But then on top of that, do you want to have an at deceased one's handle that's, you know, schlepping casino links yeah like, I, I would rather not have that <laughs> i might take the time and submit the the certificate there that's a great point mm -hmm. yeah so be on the lookout people and great for brands too you might have missed your initial brand somebody might have taken it something very you know related to what you what you, your name is be on the watch if they're not out. using it you can snatch it up and there's probably going to be a lot of different articles coming out on how to actually claim these so and good luck for all you folks that have um, a little addendum to your brand name because you couldn't get the original. <laughs> now it's time for this week's Take of the Week. This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. We simply serve up the take for your consumption. We give no opinions. We don't influence. You make the call. And this week's take comes from Aaron Levy at Big A, Little A on Twitter. And Aaron, quote, tweeted an article from The Drum. And The Drum put out an article entitled Black Friday 2019. We'll see true emergence of voice purchasing. Is everyone just going to be so tired they can't get off their couch well, let me get to, to go to the sales? We need, we need, you're not the take of the week. Aaron's the take of the week. Let's let Is Aaron... there E. coli in the turkey in America? I tripped the fan. <laughs> can't get off the couch. Okay, so Aaron, what Aaron said is he, quote, he quote tweeted the drum and said, no, 2019 will not, all caps, see the true emergence of voice purchasing. Carry on, period. <laughs> <laughs> like voice searching is one thing. And it's one thing if, I don't know, if you're hooked up to your Amazon account and you need paper towels. But nobody's ever really going to buy stuff 
with a smart speaker. It's just crazy. Or a phone, right. Hey, Google, show me the Black Friday TV deals. Okay, TV for $300. Like, no. Yeah, you're going to want a little more information. And I thought that their comments or replies to Aaron were equally as good. And so one of the ones I, I liked was from Philip at Philip underscore A on Twitter. And he said, the goosenecking for the next big thing in marketing is tiring. Crazy idea. Try to convert more than 1% of your visitors with your existing channels. Poop emoji. <laughs> I don't really get the poop emoji. I don't know why I put the poop emoji But I like there. the take. <laughs> I do like the take. Okay, another one. From friend of the show, Kirk Williams at PPC Kirk. Voice purchases will be double, dot, dot, dot. From six people to 12 people. <laughs> uh, that's gonna, one of my faves was from Simon Poulton at S. Poulton on Twitter. And he responded saying, I actually voice purchased at Subway this morning. Walked right into the store, announced my order, and bada bing. A sandwich was served. I think it could definitely go mainstream. <laughs> that's like a joke I'd make. But I'm bumped. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a dad joke. I love it. All right. So anyway, thank you, Aaron, for that take. Now it's time for this week's lightning round. Pew, pew. At this point in the show, we split up our content into two parts, paid and non-paid. First, we'll cover everything to do with advertising, a.k.a. paid, and then report on the organic or non-paid. Here's what's happening in the paid universe this week. You may remember we talked about the CCPA last week, which is a new act going into effect in California on January 1st that requires certain companies to allow customers to opt out from the sale of their personal data on the company's website. We covered it in depth last week. Yep, and it's the California Consumer Privacy Act. And we'll have more information on it if you go to last week's show notes. The Digital Advertising Alliance, or DAA, is introducing an opt-out tool for retailer sites. The DAA is also behind the ad choices icon that you'll see on some display ads across the internet. And this new mechanism will basically allow people to prohibit their information from being sold across all DAA advertisers. So you can opt out on ASOS, my favorite retailer, and it won't be on H&M either. They're not going to sell your data either. You buy clothes on ASOS? Oh, all the time. I haven't in a while because okay. I just bought a house and I'm <laughs> pinching pennies, but everything's from ASOS. I love it. I go on ASOS and I feel like I'm in, I'm, I fast forwarded 10 years ahead of 2019. There's a point in my life where I would, they add so many new products and like the catalog is so big that I would check it every day. Wow. So I could just always know what was on there. I was serious. I'm going to go into the men's section right now. <laughs> I'm going to take a look at what is trending. Future utility. This shirt looks like it's a quilt pattern of life on Mars. <laughs> I'm going to have to put this in the show notes. I just don't get ASOS. I don't get it. They have everything. There's crazy stuff, but there's normal stuff too. There's metallic pants with what I can see is nine pockets on there. They have great men's suits and they have free returns. You can't ask for anything more. I mean, I can ask for something with less fur and less <laughs> metallic and something from this planet. Well, if you click on this button that says, CA, do not sell my info on ASOS, you're going to be opted out from everyone who's a part of the DAA. And when I first heard of it, I thought it was going to let you say, like, please stop showing me 
these ridiculous clickbait ads. They drive me insane on the publisher sites. This was from one article today from our show notes. Fireman rescues pups, realizes they're not even dogs. Like, what could they what be? They? I don't, I didn't want to click on it. You, I, you better have clicked on this. I didn't click on any of them. What are, how am I going to sleep tonight? I don't want to give them the satisfaction. 20 uses for Vaseline that are borderline genius. And they have a picture of Vaseline with like wires in it. I, like, I, I, like, can, I can add to the usage of Vaseline. Everyone can. What's your use? If you have metal that you're trying to rust proof, if it's hot enough. You can put Vaseline on it, and it gives it a, a waterproof sheen. Didn't know that, did That you? was like that meme where it's like, no one. <laughs> Literally <laughs> no one. <laughs> okay, can you contribute to this? Girl was born in the jungle. Her photos are captivating. <laughs> did you click on any of these? <laughs> no. It's a girl's head on a cheetah body. <laughs> We need we need to do a little diving for our audience, and we need to link. We need to find these articles, and we need to link to them in the show notes, because I feel like we're doing them a disservice. All these things, I know they're clickbaity, but I want to know. I want to know. I really do. Okay, you can spend your time on that. I can give them the screenshots of the ad. I don't know about the links, but I wish these ad choices were really ad choices. Instead, they're just about your data. Personally, I don't care about my data. I just don't want to see these ads. I realize I just searched. About the pups article, I got the answer. What do you think they actually were? I'm scared they're rats. That was my initial thought. Rats. Hope, do you have an answer? Hope said that the pups were rats. What do you think they were? Uh, Foxes. You can know what a raccoon is. (laughs) Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, a raccoon is pretty raccoon-y, right? Like, who cares about the fox? That's not even a good story. Well, good thing you didn't (laughs) click on it. You made me do it. Also happening this week, a report by eMarketer reports that Google is still the leader in search advertising. No surprise here. Their net revenue did drop slightly this year, but less than 1%, and they net more than 73% of U.S. search ad spend in 2019. So they have this graph where they compare Google to the other search ad companies. So number two is Amazon, and Amazon they have projected is growing. They have... 12.9% 12.9% right now, and they're going to grow to 15.9% by 2021. Not so hot, Microsoft. 6.5%, and they're going to drop to 5.4% by 2021. Whoa. Point of information. Does Google include YouTube? Because if you hear Google talk ever, they'll say, we have the most popular search engine and the second most, YouTube. So, so they should be including it, but I didn't see that in the article. Because if you're including Amazon, which I, you could argue isn't true search, it's, it's uh, a retailer, retailer yeah. then YouTube should count as well. And I'd like to see that information in here. I would too. And it just makes me sad for Microsoft. They're trying so hard and they're getting beat out by a retailer who's, this isn't even their first thing. <laughs> it's a little disingenuous to say that they are search. Because yeah. then, is every single product search a search? Probably. Then, I mean, that's it's very different intent. So, so maybe they should have more of the share. I agree. Also in the news this week, Google announced that YouTube masthead ads are now available globally for TV screens to buy on a CPM basis. We've talked about masthead ads a few times over the past few months. We were testing them for TVs. Now they're officially available for everyone. 
They have a really cool masthead preview tool so you can enter your video's URL and see what it would look like as a masthead ad. I made the horrible mistake of using one of our marketing clock oh videos. Oh boy. And I could see what it would look like on the TV and it was my absolute worst nightmare. <laughs> oh man. It's like the Halloween edition here, like a horror show. Yeah. But I don't think we have to worry about it too much because I looked into the cost of this and according to Adweek, now they said this in July, so it could be more or less now. A YouTube masthead placement will cost you a minimum of three hundred to four hundred thousand dollars a day. And then they said they could climb up to almost a million on Super Bowl Sunday. I think that the daily average sounds really high, but the Super Bowl Sunday average sounds kind of low. I think they could charge more than a million. See, I think you couldn't charge anything on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. Guess what I'm not looking at? YouTube. I'm not going on YouTube and clicking on masthead ads. I don't know. I might be. I'm watching a game. But you're like looking up clips of the football teams and you're looking up like... I don't look up clips on YouTube. Clips of Shakira. Twitter is for clips. They own the clip space. I use YouTube for that. I guess. I still think they could charge a lot on Super Bowl Sunday. Okay. Because you could do it in conjunction with whatever your Super Bowl Sunday ad is. And those are like $4 million for 30 seconds. All right. Well, submit that to accounting about that million dollar spend for (laughs) lovely marketing o'clock video that you were talking about. And next, if you took the whole week off and haven't logged in to see this notification, Google ads had a bug last week. It was the worst kind of bug. A hornet. I think the worst kind of bug is those creepy crawlies. They have many legs and they look hairy and sometimes they're really, really long and sometimes they're not so long. Is it a caterpillar? No, it's not a caterpillar. What is a caterpillar? (laughs) No, it's not. They're like very prevalent in Buffalo, New York. I think it's technically a millipede or a centipede. Maybe, but they move so fast. So you don't like the speed of them. You can like, sometimes you can see their eyes. It's disgusting. What's worse? The creepy crawly looking right in the eyes. Or a rodent. A rodent, for sure. That's the worst. Well, you know it's even worse? What you're reporting on yeah, is worse. This is the worst bug. They over-reported conversions. So this specifically impacted advertisers using non-last-click attribution models. And Ginny Marvin chimed in with a zinger on Twitter. She said, if you're not using last-click, you're likely affected. Yep. For once, you can pat yourself on the back. You're still using last-click. Smiley face. <laughs> Ginny, Ginny is a national treasure. Yeah, throw in some shade. So as of November 24th, the bug should be fixed and your conversion should be correct. But if you downloaded any reports before then, you should probably export them again so you can be sure all your data is correct. And we have some kind of political news this week. But not political. Right. We never really get political. But Tulsi Gabbert, who is a political candidate, for the Democratic Party. Yep. For the 2020 presidential election. She was on the Joe Rogan podcast recently, and she talked about a lawsuit she's in the middle with Google because she set up a Google Ads account and they were trying to run ads on her name as a search term after a Democratic debate where people were searching her name a lot after because, you know, maybe they had never heard of her before and wanted to learn more about her. And all of a sudden, their account was just shut down, like the night of the event or shortly after. And surprise, surprise, 
to us advertisers. She got no reason as to why her account was shut down and she has no idea why it happened. So she's just suing Google. I love it. <laughs> Best yet. She was, I was listening to the story and I was like, deja vu, like waves of deja vu coming over. She said she had issues about it getting resolved, taking a while to hear back from Google ad support, <laughs> hearing from different people as to why <laughs> there's a problem with the account and not getting a firm result as to why. That's just like a day in the life. Welcome to Google <laughs> ad support, Tulsi. Welcome. This is what it is. You are giving Google way too much credit. They don't care about support of anybody, even presidential candidates. Yeah. You can't even get someone to answer the phone if you're a presidential candidate. And this goes to Amalia's take last week about how much weight Google, the, the name Google carries. She thinks so highly of Google ads support. It's incredible. <laughs> like it is, it is the worst support out there because you just assume they're google they're yeah. the biggest search advertising yeah, yeah. company and they're going to be good at what they do and they're not and i don't blame her it's google mm -hmm. and you can easily see th and think like this is a premeditated attack on me because i'm looking to break up monopolies in reality it, nobody that answers that support port is paid by alphabet as a, a employee they're all contractors most folks don't know much about the platform and it is a disaster. It is a disaster. And I was listening to this and I'm like, you know what? It's quaint. It's quaint that you think Google support <laughs> is good. Just well, welcome to the pain. And, and, and also, like, it's nice. They, I hope she wins. Yeah. Whatever <laughs> it takes to get someone to answer the phone over there. And I have some more great news. I, I got to keep going on this. Okay. The other thing, like... If she wins this by having the ability for something to be suspended, shouldn't everybody sue Google Ads? Like everybody right now that doesn't have access to gallery ads, mm -hmm. isn't that an unfair advantage? Mm -hmm. Like if your competitor has access to gallery ads, which are image ads in search results for branded names, and you don't have that, it's unfair. Or in the masthead story, they were saying that they tested it out with the Fox TV show, The Masked Singer. And they're like using it as an example. But if you have a show in the same time slot, that's annoying that they got the opportunity to, to do it before anyone else did. Right. And you also should know you're going up with people with dedicated account reps that spend X amount of money. Could you sue that if you don't have an account rep? I hope, I hope that she wins so that this opens up the door for Google to care for once about support. I hope it goes to the Supreme Court. Well, I have some more really fun news from Google this week. Happy holidays, everyone. If you or your kids happen to search the word Christmas on Google on Tuesday, you may have seen some wonderful not safe for work shopping ads. So um, to put this a little delicately, have you seen Elf, Greg? I have. The wonderful holiday film. Um, you know when he buys the gift for his dad that's advertised in Macy's as for that special someone? I don't, but I can imagine. <laughs> This, these were similar products. Okay. I looked at some of the responses to the initial screenshot that was taken, and it got even more scantily clad, let's say. Unsavory. Unsavory, and it was, if you've, have you ever seen the movie Borat? Yeah. With the kind of lime green mankini? <laughs> there was one of those that was Christmas-themed that showed up. So I'm, I'm very familiar, I'm very well-versed in, in what we're seeing here for the search Christmas. Yeah. Ginny Marvin wrote this article and she says, hide your kids. 
<laughs> you can't you, even a, search Google. Nothing's safe. I don't know what we do without Ginny on the show here. But yeah, there were some ter- there were some terribly matched ad results. Mm-hmm. Just the word Christmas. Right. And standalone. I, everybody was so concerned about the fact that there was some skin showing. Again, there was no actual nudity or anything like that. It was some a lot of skin in some cases that were showing for the term Christmas. What is appalling is that Google thinks you can match these products yeah. to a broad term like Christmas. Because with Google Shopping... Well, they're shopping ads. There's no keywords. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. And this is a huge issue about matching. We talked about it two weeks ago where we had the take of the week about Google matching a dog to a cat. <laughs> if you think somebody searching for Christmas is immediately in the market to buy a mankini... You're not matching right. You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. But I'm sure we'll have a wonderful Christmas Google Doodle. I'm sure we will. So it'll be okay. The matching is a problem. It makes me mad. It's bad. I'm trying to cut down on some shopping bloat right now. And you just, it, it's, the matching is gone haywire. Haywire. And it's all fixed now. So you can, you can go ahead and Google Christmas again if you feel like it. You disagree with me when I've brought this up before, but I just think we should be able to have keywords for shopping ads. This is the best example. This is the TED Talk, this story right here. This is the greed talk. (laughs) There should never be a scenario where you can say, I am going to spend you Mankini advertiser's budget on the word Christmas. That just doesn't say holiday cheer. You're too grinchy, Google. Well, now that I've got you all fired up, why don't you tell us about the non-paid news? All right. I'm just going to copy your Google is the leader here story. But this time, instead of ad revenue, it's for local search. So Google Maps is the dominant local search tool, followed by Facebook and Yelp, according to Brandify. So they put out a new consumer survey that found that 77% of respondents use Google Maps to find near-me business information well ahead of other sites. So if you haven't optimized your My Business account or taken a hard look at your local SEO it's all Google. Google at the top across the board these days. More good news for brands on Twitter. You can now hide replies to tweets, and it's rolled out for everybody. We talked about this a few weeks back as being in beta, but you can now hide replies to any tweets that a brand or an account creates. Um, users will still be able to see what was hidden. Um, you click and say, view hidden replies, and you can see everything. I'm a very curious person. Mm-hmm. Every time I see a tweet from a brand and I see replies were hidden, that's the first thing I'm like. I'm Absolutely. so interested. I want to know what you don't want me to see. I don't even look at replies anymore. I was yeah. like, what, what's the bad news here? And then I get in there. I'm like, I shouldn't have looked at this. They were right <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> it's all me replying to Spotify. Hey, can you make our podcast searchable if someone doesn't use the apostrophe? <laughs> And they're just... Can you figure it out? Hide. Hide. (laughs) Hide. All right. Our next article comes from the New York Times and is an opinion piece by one of the founders of the internet, Tim Berners-Lee. And Mr. Berners-Lee is also the co-founder of the World Wide Web Foundation. Shep, he's worried that the web is turning into a digital dystopia. Aren't we all? We all are, actually. And so he said that we have to overcome the stalemate 
that has characterized previous attempts to solve the problems facing the web. Governments must stop blaming platforms for inactions, and companies must become more constructive in shaping future regulation, not just opposing it. And he breaks out this contract for the web into three parts. One, targeting what government should do. Two, what businesses should do. And three, what us citizens should do. And there's a lot to these. The thought is really nice behind this. Mm -hmm. Tim, you created the web. You don't like where it all went. And you're trying to fix it now. And I wanted to like go sign this thing and, 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 and be like, yep, check. You got my vote. I pledged to make this a better spot. As a user, as a business, or both? I was going to do it as an owner or as a citizen. Okay. That's what I was going to do. But I looked at principle 7-1-D in that contract for the web. And I had to sign that by being active participants in shaping the web, including content and systems made available through it, I need to produce or translate content into local minority languages. And I couldn't, I couldn't sign that because I don't know what that means, specifically like content. Do I have to make my, my tweets into a different language? Oh. Do I have to make our website into a different language? Do I have to make client websites into a different language? What if they don't want it in a different language? And then what are the different languages that I need to do that aren't the majority language? So I decided not to sign it for that reason. <laughs> but that's a weird one. Yeah. Everybody has to translate things? That just sounds a little too broad and like it would be a lot of work for some people and they don't have the bandwidth to do it. I, I don't. I yeah. don't. And I know many clients don't have the budget to translate into every single possible language. Many clients do. It's fantastic. Many clients don't like using Google Translate, which is an easy option. But I can't personally translate all my content somewhere else. I How just many can't languages are there in the world? Lots. I don't, I don't know what, what, they, <laughs> what counts, so I chose not to sign it. You know who did sign it? Who? Google and Facebook. Their logos are on the page. And oh, I thought, please. I thought it was funny. Maybe it's a good sign. Let's, let's be positive. So the data collection needs to be adequate, relevant, and necessary for the purposes it is processed. That could be anything. Google could justify anything to meet that. LOL, Shep. Google just bought Fitbit. Oh. And they didn't buy <laughs> Fitbit for the hardware. And it's like, you bought, you bought Fitbit to tell me what you can sell more of. <laughs> or like that. You're, not, you're not buying Fitbit for the hardware. Yeah. Do you know who Google, who lost the bid to Google for Fitbit? No. A report came out saying it was Facebook. Oh, my God. They're both trying to get health data on people. And you signed this. The adequate, relevant, necessary data. Okay, great. So it's a nice thought. Sorry. Einstein can't take back the theory of relativity. <laughs> and you can't take back the internet. And what's happened since? All right, next up is an article from Social Fresh. And Facebook Stories is testing a two-row stack of their stories. And this was shown in a recent test. And the double stories on the app, the Facebook app homepage, took up 45% of the screen with stories. And it just looked like, like a lot of stories. So there just was, from like the homepage? Yep. So you, you hop on. And basically the middle section, and we could put a link to what it looks like. I think 
there was something that was posted and I believe it was taken down this experiment, but somebody tried to show how much screen was dedicated to stories and it was 45% and the main real estate was Facebook pushing stories in this test. And all the people who are doing stories right now are stories I don't want to see. Yeah. I don't know how people have time for stories. You have Instagram stories, you've got Snapchat, you've got Instagram regular, Facebook stories, double layer Facebook stories, Facebook, TikTok. It's too much. There should be an app that is just stories. Or is that TikTok? That was Snapchat, I thought. Or no. They should do an app that is just stories that can't have music. And then we can get rid of those awful TikTok videos. Okay. No music. The stories, social platform. I like it. I won't be on it. Great. (laughs) All right. Next up. Back at Google I.O. in 2016, there was an announcement that 20% of all U.S. searches are voice queries. And over at Systrix, they did a deep dive investigation on some of the data that gets thrown around quite regularly. And one of the, the main sticking points that was done was the quote that we see in many, many presentations. By 2020, 50% of all searches will be conducted via voice. Does that include like calling your mom? I don't think that would count, but Juan <laughs> Gonzalez over at Systrix tried to figure out where that number came from. He went down rabbit hole after rabbit hole, and everything came back to Comscore. When trying to button this down, they realized, he realized that it never actually came from Comscore. It came from a quote in a Comscore presentation from somebody over at Baidu. And that there is no actual data for that 50% of all searches will be conducted by voice. So when you see that, know that that's not true. Nobody's ever said that other than once saying somebody um, over at Baidu had said that. And what they did do is they took a poll, talk about which voice assistant do people use. Do you know what the winner was, Shep? I'll, I'll give you some. So it could be Apple Siri, Google Home, Amazon Alexa, or Microsoft Cortana. It's not Cortana. Actually, I'm going to say Alexa. It was none of the above. (laughs) (laughs) None of the above crushed. None of the above won with 69% of folks not using a voice assistant. So you lost. (laughs) One of the options should have been calling your mom. That's what you do. There you go. That's my voice assistant. You should head over to Subway and and, and use a little (laughs) voice Oh, yeah. I totally stole that joke. (laughs) All right. Next up. Pinterest is launching Pinterest Shop for small businesses that make and sell products. So if you are a small business that makes products, you may have gotten this. In advance of Small Business Saturday in the holiday shopping season, Pinterest has launched Pinterest Shop. You can go. It's a dashboard curated by Pinterest themselves that showcases profiles and products of small businesses in an Etsy-style fashion. I can't believe it took them so long to do this. Of course. They rolled this out for the holiday season and included 17 small businesses. 17. I bet they're not even small. There are (laughs) 28.8 million small businesses here in the U.S., and they chose 17. (laughs) And so if you're using this, the products will be automatically turned into product pins. Pinterest said it will continue updating the Pinterest shop for products from select businesses. So... Check it out. So if you are one of the 27,999,983 small businesses, this may be coming to you soon. (laughs) 
Next up, Matt Southern over at Search Engine Journal has a post explaining how Instagram chooses what shows on the Explore page. And there's really two different types of rationale on what will show to any given user. So first, there's a candidate generation stage. And Instagram leverages what they call seed accounts about who you've interacted with before, what accounts a person might be interested in, and then it goes to a ranking stage where there's a three-stage infrastructure. It's all very cool if you're into this stuff, but it talks about narrowing candidates down and how you can show up. And then Matt also has a little ditty at the end talking about could you optimize for this and basically it's just make good stuff yeah. that people like and have a lot of people that like that stuff and you'll do well. And next up from Facebook is a new product, Facebook Viewpoints. Facebook has a new market research app that rewards people for participating in surveys, tasks, and research and handing even more of their personal data over to Mr. Zuckerberg. It's not viewpoints from Facebook? No, it should be Facebook viewpoints from Facebook. I co-signed that. Okay. Get it over to PR. So if you set up a Facebook viewpoints account, you can be invited to join programs. And before each program, Facebook will explain what's going to be collected, how they're going to use it, and how many points you may receive. You can then change those points into dollars that you can then send to yourself via PayPal. Um, a disclaimer, I do this with Google Rewards knowingly. You do? Yes. And I'm okay with it just because, I don't know, I'm bored sometimes. How much do you make? Like pennies? You you might answer a question like, did you go to Sunoco? I'm like, yep, I went. I'm like, do you have a receipt? I'm like, nope. <laughs> and you make 26 cents. It's like, oh, whatever. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, and then you've got to you got to throw in a little – got to keep, keep them guessing every now and then. You, you just don't logo? answer? No, definitely not. <laughs> so the funny thing that is the first program on Viewpoints is the well-being survey. And it's talking about whether social media can impact people's well-being. I have the answer. <laughs> no. It makes, it, makes, it makes everything worse. It does. So it can impact it, but for negative. For negative. Definitely impacts it. Definitely not positive. So there's your answer. And you can just PayPal me the money. Okay. Not download your app. <laughs> 26 cents. Next up is save.org.org. So the first part's spelled out, and that's just .org. So S-A-V-E-D-O-T-O-R-G.org. And as we talked about last week, .org was being sold from a nonprofit to a for-profit and this is a petition where 9,152 people have joined in to oppose the sale of .org. Did you sign it? I did not. Me and I didn't either. even read it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even read this one. <laughs> but they're just trying to save the .org from being sold. And we talked about it before. It was being sold to Ethos Capital. If I was at Ethos Capital, I'd raise the price on this domain alone. I'd be like, this is bad for business. <laughs> You'd have to pay $10,000 a year. So... Also, one redaction from last week. Can I redact something I sure. said last week? I said the NFL was a nonprofit. It stopped being a nonprofit in 2015. Now, apparently, it's for a profit. There still are some other big nonprofits, though, that seem like they make money, like the PGA is a nonprofit. Yeah, I don't, that shouldn't be allowed. No, apparently, the NHL is a nonprofit. 
I think that one though, like it might, they, they might have just made a mistake in nonprofit, and there's just like no profit. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, hi, yeah, nobody likes this. Definitely in Buffalo right now. Yeah. Not doing too well. All right. Well, last up here is an article from Barry Schwartz over at Search Engine Roundtable. And this is a bad one. This should be a WTH. <laughs> there is a problem with one of Google's new snippet controls, the new max image preview tag. And this would show what the maximum size you could use in a image preview would be. And if it was set to none, you said, I don't want, I don't, I don't want it to be any in, in this image preview. Just people think, yep, no image showing up, right? Mm-hmm. Wrong. What it would do is it would remove the entire page from the inbox. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that seems like a bad feature. You know, this might be the worst bug. This might be worse than those creepy crawlies you're Yeah, that's about. pretty bad. So, yeah, maybe just don't use that match, match, Max image preview quite yet. And that brings us to our real-life segment, straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for Working Hard or Hardly Working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work, good, bad, or otherwise. Shep, what's been happening with your accounts lately? So I had a customer list that I was trying to make a lookalike audience with for Facebook targeting, and the list was too small. So I wanted to compare it with another list that I had that should have been similar users, and I wanted to combine them and try to make it big enough to actually have a lookalike audience. And I was unable to duplicate the existing audience. There's no way to do it. I did a lot of research. So there's no way to get like your customer list back out of it after you put it in. And there's no way to combine it with another list. Hmm. And there were workarounds on the internet that I guess used to work, but don't anymore where you rename it. And instead of updating it, you save it as a new list and then it's a new list, but now you can't do that anymore. So if someone wants to help me with that, you know, let me know. But I spent like an hour and a half on it yesterday. <laughs> Got no results. Oh it was boy. horrible. What's happening with you? Well, I'm going to use this time just to vent a little bit. And I was talking specifically to a B2B client that phones are important, them being operational is important. And you typically see um, the average business day, you know, eight to five, nine to five, Monday through Friday. And trying to explain daily budgets to somebody in this scenario, these B2B folks, is near impossible. It's ne- it, it, there needs to be, I'm going to make a, a help B2B Google ads.org site because the, what Google ads does currently is you can spend up to two times your daily budget, but over that 30.4 day period, you'll still be within your daily budget on mm-hmm. average for that day. But that turns into a problem for people that aren't on all 30.4 days of the month. Mm -hmm. When you are off on average two days out of the week, that is a huge problem. And what happens is you can't use daily budgets correctly because it doesn't, the the math just doesn't work. There needs to be a B2B, you know, regular business hours for people. And there needs to be a daily budget calculator for the 30.4. I'm fine with that, but it is a huge problem because you can spend far more than what they say per day. You just don't happen to be on Saturday and Sunday. And that counts and that factors into the 30.4. And it's frustrating. That's so complex. It is very complex. And I was trying to explain it. And I was just saying, 
why am I at this point where I have to explain this? Or just like make daily budgets actually work. That's way too much much sense. Now it's time for this week's WTH. Misguided. You're like, who does that? (laughs) Just get rid of it. I'm over it. Where we rant, rave, and roll our eyes about our trending digital marketing topic. What are we coming to? Honestly. See what had us asking. W-T-H. This week. All right. And this week's WTH comes to us via CNET in an article from Queenie Wong. And the article is is titled, Facebook built a facial recognition app for employees. And from the article, Facebook, which has been under fire because of privacy concerns, huh, hadn't heard that, <laughs> said it had built an internal app that allowed employees to identify their colleagues and friends who enabled facial recognition by pointing their phone cameras at them. Employees could point their phone camera at another person and it would display their name and Facebook profile picture. That is terrifying. Yeah, I'm, I'm back on Team Tim Berners-Lee here. <laughs> Do whatever you need. I'll sign that document. This is too much. Yeah. Let's get this signed. Um, so citing anonymous sources, the business, business Insider had initially reported the app was developed between 2015 and 2016, but has been discontinued, thankfully. Yeah. So again, it could identify anybody on the social network if there's enough data to do so, according to an unnamed source. It's so scary how good those facial recognition things are. Like I was looking at my own face in my phone recently, and it fa- it recognized one where I was so far in the background, and it was my reflection halfway cut off by the corner of a mirror, and it knew it was me. It's crazy. Like I didn't even know I was in it, and it did. Do you use Google Photos at all? That's what it was. Okay, Google f- Google Photos is is fantastic at that but i don't know if i like that they are i like the fact that you can just say hey google show me concerts and Mm -hmm. they'll give you every picture you're in in a concert and they'll you could be like show me outdoors or show me camping and they'll be like oh here it is it's it's pretty crazy just thinking about how much information i guess but then on facebook it's also crazy because someone could just take a picture at an event that you're at and you're in the background and it like knows your face but you don't even know the person knows where you are <laughs> at all times. And now for this week's Cool Tool. As a reminder, our Cool Tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners and is really, really cool. This week's Cool Tool is from Kyle Byers at Growth Badger, and it is an interactive list of 100-plus awesome content marketing examples and ideas. This is really cool. I wasted way too much time. Well, it wasn't a waste, but I spent a lot of time on it today. What makes it a a tool really is that it has this interactive filter. So you can select a content format. So you could do an app, audio, which would probably be a podcast, text, video, interactive, graphical. And you can also select a strategy or angle. So collaboration, how-to, unique, purpose-driven. There's a bunch of other examples. But there's 100 plus examples. And personally, I think it's worth reading the whole thing. It's kind of another must read article that you could read over the long weekend because it's not just examples of digital stuff. It, some of them are from like the 1800s. So let me give you a few of the examples they have in here. I, I didn't know they had the internet. I didn't know Tim, it's, Tim it's got cooking internet. in the 1800s. Okay. So the one I thought was really cool was they said the Tour de France started because there was a newspaper that was struggling to sell papers 
and they wanted something to cover that people would want to buy the paper for. So they just started the Tour de France. So it's all these random things like that. They also have a bunch of cool calculators, ways that different brands have developed calculators for like a bank or a nutrition company. Um, apparently Charmin has a bathroom finder app called sit or squat that was on here. And then another one of my favorites, that sounds like a Google result. (laughs) (laughs) Another one of my favorites was, so a lot of people, if they're looking for an alternative product, I'm sure everyone's done this. You'll Google, you know, marketing o'clock alternative podcast or whatever. So Zendesk to combat this issue, they made Zendesk alternative.com. And it's a site dedicated to the fake grunge band Zendesk Alternative. Have you heard of this? No, I haven't. So they have a whole website and they have like fake songs on there. and every, Well, they're real songs about customer service. And the whole idea is they want this site to rank above like one of their competitors as an alternative. So a bunch of clever ideas like that. Everyone should read it. It's a fun read. Old man Finn here. That shouldn't <laughs> rank over actual Zendesk alternative. It wasn't in the first spot. The article said it was at one point, but it's not now. Okay, good. Now it's time for our must-read marketing article of the week. An article so advanced, so in-depth, so detailed, that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. Today's article comes from Marco Bonomo over on Search Engine Land, and you can follow Marco on Twitter at Marco Bonomo SEO. And the name of the article is Google for Jobs. Everything you need to know to optimize for better ranking. And Marco does a fantastic job breaking down not only Google Jobs and informing us enough, but how to exceed, excel (laughs) in Google Jobs. So, he breaks down into really three main points and has a nice conclusion as well, but how to set up Google Jobs first, right? Like if you don't have Google Jobs going, he talks about the different schema, indexing, everything you need to know to get everything properly set up. Then he talks about the different steps that you need to follow in order to rank in Google for jobs, which is really important. You know, you have to you have to do a few different things, talks about all the different elements as to what you should pay attention to. And then lastly, covering Google Jobs, monitoring and reporting all the different aspects you need to look at in Search Console, how you can see Google Jobs data in Google Analytics. It's just overall a very well-constructed article. It's very thorough. and It's a great look. So thank you, Marco Bonomo, SEO. All right, that does it for today's show. Thank you to Search Engine Journal and Danny Goodwin for putting together that article, the PPC Trends of 2020. Remember, you can pick that up for free over at searchenginejournal.com forward slash PPC dash trends dash 2020, and you will get 39 experts telling you what to look for in the world of PPC here in 2020. And for another great podcast, don't miss this week's episode of the Search Engine Journal show. It's always great. Last week, really loved John Mueller. So check them all out. It's now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Remember, you can catch everything from this show on marketingoclock.com. While you're there, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock, part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. 
you're looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. And please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. Welcome to this week's episode of Shooting the Hack, where after our famous Friday news shows, we don't talk about marketing anymore, we just shoot the hack. And this week we're playing everybody's favorite game, Poke Holes in This, where we give out ideas, and it's the job, the duty of everybody else to poke holes, to tell why this idea would never work. (laughs) And I'm going to start, and I'm going to start strong. Okay. And this is a special holiday-themed episode. Hopefully you've recovered out of your tryptophan coma and you're here and we've got ideas on how to make the holidays better. My first idea on Super Bowl Sunday, there's another big game happening. Nobody ever sees it. It's called the puppy bowl. Oh my gosh. Everyone's seen it. It's (laughs) overshadowed by the Super Bowl, but football during Thanksgiving stinks. I'm a Lions fan. I can say this. It's the Lions getting crushed every Thursday. It's the Cowboys, and nobody wants to watch them. And then the Falcons. Like, that's your third team is the Falcons. We need the Puppy Bowl moved to Thanksgiving. Poke holes in this. I, I already have. Oh, my gosh. First of all, we already have to be subjected to the dog show on the, Thanksgiving. The dog show is awful. You see those people. Nobody knows the criteria for judging. What? These people in suits are running around. They don't have anything on cuteness scale. It's, I love the dog show. You know, the dog, the dog show is a problem. I'm trying just to, seen a bunch of dogs prancing around. I they don't. are so cute. You look at them though, and you're like, "Oh, that's a good dog. That's a good dog." But it was too good. It was like too friendly of a dog, and it wasn't snarly enough, and it loses. How do you think the grading goes on the Westminster? I don't dog care show? about the grading. I just want to see some cute dogs on my TV. A lot of them aren't cute, and none of them seem happy, and that makes a dog. You not get to cute. see all different kinds of breeds of dogs. Some of them are so ugly. Some of them are so funny. I don't need to. Yeah, I don't need the dog. I don't need the the Scottish gremlin hairless troll dog. I don't need that one. That's hilarious. What time would you air the puppy bowl on Thanksgiving? It should be aired at two o'clock. The Puppy Bowl is so boring. I don't want to watch either of those things. I would much <laughs> rather watch the dog show than the Puppy Bowl. Give me the Lifetime Movie Marathon any day. Ugh, How no. about you have? You know when you drive through a bunch of small towns like Lancaster or East Aurora, they have the nice <laughs> lights up Okay. on the trees. And just it little suburban really towns nice. for folks not here in Buffalo. Yes. Sometimes in the city. I don't know. Do they do it in the city? But they have these really nice lights up. And my idea is just keep them up till March. That's my idea. It's a waste of energy. <laughs> You're no. melting the polar ice caps, Hope. Lights are, are you kidding me? So many companies leave lights up 24-7. And why would we get excited for Christmas anymore if it was all year? Because the lights look really nice and they make me happy. And after Christmas, there's nothing to look forward to. January, February and March are the most depressing months ever. Okay, I'd like to, I would like to make a motion to your rule here and say, yes, they should be kept up, but no colors and no holiday festivities, yes. just white lights. Just white lights, Just yes. white lights. What about yes, the yes, blow-up yes. things? None of those. No, just no, white no, no, lights. no, just Only white, white lights. lights. White lights at night Driving nice. through the town at night, it makes you so happy. That's Taylor Swift Thank says you, you can keep them up until January, so I will approve that. What's next? Next up. We just talked about on the show the problem with voice and some of the impracticality of it. 
So I was thinking if we can make a filter that we could have an API tie into where there was a, a political filter and you could tie into Google Voice, put a Google Voice right there at the Thanksgiving table next year, and any time a political term was uttered, you could do whatever you want. You could make an ejector seat to somebody sitting at the table so that you just have a nice holiday. The ejector political filter for voice search. Okay, so give me an example of a term. That Let's you- say we go on both sides of this. So we say a Biden or a Trump, whatever you have, something that, that, that flares the political what filter. What if Trump what is Google? a real word? What if you're just saying turkey Trump's ham? That's where the machine learning comes in, Shep. Would, AI. The, would no Google way. just tell you to shut up? No, you can then do whatever you want. You can just eject people right out of the room. Okay, you can do whatever you want. It's an I API. like this idea. I like it. The person can always come back. That's not going to work. And it's not fair to the families who don't have the assistant. Free assistant in every home. I'm Wait, every they game. just have fights? <laughs> not to mention, what about, have you ever heard of like, what's the, the word psychologically? But when people are having a conversation around you, but you're having your own conversation, you can like only focus on one at a time. Like, would the assistant be smarter than that? What if somebody over here is talking about one thing and somebody over here is talking about something else? Get rid of them all. That's I don't think it would work. All right, hope we do. I like it. Um, okay. So this has to do with uh, package deliveries and the <laughs> system that is rigged. So <laughs> wait, first... Wait, you can't just bias it this much. Try again. I think the system is rigged would also get you ejected <laughs> not, from yeah, the not rigged. Yeah, Google Voice just ejected you out of it's here. It's poorly designed. Okay, so the, the shipping. <laughs> yes. When a package is shipped, usually the carrier will give you a tracking number and they'll tell you what time it delivers and what time it arrives, which is terrible. I don't know how they do that, but my package was supposed to come yesterday and they never updated the time, so I didn't know that it was supposed to come today and I was supposed to sign for it. So my idea is we make an app or delivery companies make an app where you can sign for a package from anywhere. So it's like some verification code, and the company lets you know the exact time that the package will deliver to the house. They'll send you a verification code to the app, and then you log in, and you can sign from the app. Okay, I think you sign for things when they're, like, expensive and important. I don't so care. somebody could steal it off your porch. I don't care. Why don't you just ship to a business? Why don't you ship to work? That's where I ship my wine. <sighs> Ship to work. Ship it all here. You, you, that's on you. That. You should ship what? it to where you're going to be. Okay, but if I have a coffee table or something coming? The whole point of signing is you have to be home. there. You don't sign for a coffee table. I had to. Oh. Well, ship it to work. I don't want to ship my coffee table to work. we need a coffee table. No, it's for my home. <laughs> that's a bad idea. What? <laughs> okay. All right. My last idea. What is the number one problem that you had yesterday at the Thanksgiving table? Oh, exactly. I know what it is. There's too many plates, too many dishes, too much passing. It's a whole thing. It's officially a whole thing mm-hmm. at the Thanksgiving table. So my idea, my genius idea, as Hope would say, is a Thanksgiving casserole. You take everything, you put it into one dish, and you have one dish on the table. Super easy. Don't need to pass anything. It's all there in the Thanksgiving casserole. 
That's what you should you do. You know, next this year. is a terrible idea. As someone you know, I don't like a lot of foods, but I love everything at Thanksgiving, and I would be down for this. But there's a lot of people who are, are you like kidding? picky. The vegetarians, yeah, the, the vegetarians would people, be a problem. No. They would cause a riot. There would be an uproar. You just make a little section gluten free. They would try to cancel Thanksgiving if you did that. No, it'd be perfect. There's a little 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 cranberry in there. Personally, I would bean. eat it. I love it. Like corn, you got to dip your turkey in like some mashed potatoes. There's and the sweet psycho potatoes. people who gravy don't. Middle. They don't want any of their food touching. The juicy gravy middle. They like that. I don't like gravy. Well, you might like the juicy gravy middle. You've never tried it. No, veto. The other thing would be um, at Thanksgiving, you split up the duties, and like people will make different things, and then it would be like one person's but this, job. This way is great because you don't need people to make different things. So one person makes casserole. Nobody's going to want to be that person. <laughs> I know I don't. See, I think it's going to be a competition because then once you get so good at making the cat, that's going to be the thing. Only one person gets to serve everybody. It's going to be a privilege. Oh, so, oh, so you, you get to make it privilege. and then you get the privilege of serving. Exactly. Oh. Yep. Wonderful. Do that next year, folks. No. We <laughs> will see you next week.